are listening to the Seeds of Triumph podcast. We are all about helping service members navigate through the difficult and challenging experiences that come with serving in the military. Here on Seeds of Triumph, we will discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly, as well as provide several resources, techniques, and coping mechanisms that can be used every day to instill overall toughness, wellness, and resiliency into our military force. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy what we have to provide. Welcome to another episode of the Seeds of Triumph podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Master Chief Ponciano about his experiences in the Navy. And before I get started, um, I just want to put out a little disclaimer. The content of this episode could provide some commentary about death, PTSD, and acts of terror aboard a U.S. naval vessel. So please be advised that some of this could be hard to listen to and digest. Master Chief Ponciano was born in the Dominican Republic, and he later moved to New Jersey. He joined the Navy right after high school in 1999 and checked on board his first ship, the USS Cole, as a seaman. Seaman Ponciano was part of a significant moment in naval and American history. He served aboard the USS Cole on October 12th, year 2000. On October 12th, year 2000, the USS Cole was attacked by Al-Qaeda terrorist suicide bombers. This attack left 17 sailors dead and 39 injured. This attack also left Seaman Ponciano with PTSD, but he didn't let it break him. Master Chief Ponciano continues to thrive in his naval career after 23 selfless years. He is a true hero and example of what it means to triumph. Master Chief, thank you for coming on and talking to me today. I know that your story is going to be so impactful to the audience, and I can't wait to hear it. Um, Would you like to provide some more information about yourself? Uh, First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, It's a pleasure to be able to, you know, uh, you know, have a conversation with you just about you know, um, my career, uh, the things that I saw and experienced in the U.S. call, and how the Navy has helped me, you know, been able to deal with PTSD. And as you uh, very nicely put it, uh, continue to be successful and continue to thrive, not only as a sailor, but uh, more, most importantly, as a person. Um, so you kind of hit on the major points, uh, you know, as you could probably notice from my accent, I was born in the Dominican Republic. Uh, and I, I'm the oldest of uh, three, you know, brothers. Um, I have a beautiful 21-year-old daughter, and I have a, a very animated nine-year-old son. Uh, and they're on my world. Um, so from the call, uh, uh, you know, I went limb due uh, due to PTSD, and then I went to Nick Tam's land for about a good year. I was clear from limb, du- limb duty, and I went to Strike Group Eight. Uh, where I uh, was the staff uh, embarked the, both uh, the George Washington and then we did uh, also on a deployment uh, on the uh, Ike. From there, I went to Bahrain. And then from Bahrain, I went to Jack Mossworth in England, uh, which to this day is one of my best duty station. Uh, I picked up first class there. And uh, although it was supposed to be a three-year tour, uh, the chief's mess was like, hey, you're doing great things here. You need to go back to sea. 
And at the same time, I was still, you know, going through counseling to trying to, you know, work on my PTSD. And one of the things that um, the counselor uh, said was to face my fear and to take orders um, to a destroyer. And I did. Um, so not only was a career handsome, but also was personally something that I needed to do to face those fears. So I went to the Fort, USS Fort Sherman out of Norfolk, uh, picked up chief there back in 2011. I was very lucky that I was able to stay on board the ship. You know, a lot of times they redirect chiefs. As soon as you make chief, they send you somewhere else. But uh, I stay there, which allowed me to flourish even more because I already knew the crew. I didn't have to start over. Um, I literally, like I used to be the assistant section leader as a first class. And then after pinning, I became the section leader of the section. So it wasn't a big old transition. Um, then from there, I, uh, I got stationed in Corey Station uh, as the training manager for all ITC uh, schools. Uh, picked up senior chief there. And from there, after three years, I uh, got stationed in Desert on 22. Another part of my challenge was actually to go on board the coal because I went about 10 years without going on board the ship, probably even more. I, was, uh, I didn't want to face that part. And that was part of the gradually moving into, you know, dealing with my PTSD. Uh, I was going to a destroyer. I did that. Then it was, you need to go and, and be able to go embark the ship. And uh, um, I was blessed that there were part of, uh, of uh, I was the ISIC for the, the coal as part of the Deseron. So I had her under my leadership as the uh, senior lister advisor for the Deseron for three years. And it was a true blessing, not only because I was able to face my own fears, but I was also able to see how resilient and amazing sailors were just simply because they felt an extra level of duty because they were on board the coal. Um, so then from there, I went to uh, Sicily and was there for two years. And then I applied for uh, this program that's called MACO, which stands for Masters of Application in cybersecurity and operations. And it's pretty much what it is, is the Navy takes CTNs and ITs. They already have a bachelor's degree and you put an application and then they send you, if you're selected, they send you to the Naval Postgraduate School in Monterey to get a master's degree in cybersecurity. Uh, and then you have to wow. give the Navy some time back. Yes. And then you get three years, uh, you have to give three years back, which puts me now where I'm at, which is in 10th Fleet and Fleet Cyber Command. Um, okay. So I'm the department LCPO uh, slash cell for the N6 department. And I'm also now the uh, warrior toughness coordinator for the, the domain. Oh, that's awesome. I have so many questions about <laughs> warrior toughness. Um, quick question though. Yes. The program for your um, master's degree, is that open to... Uh, like, is it closed off at a certain rank? I unfortunately is only open to two rates right now. It's only ITs and CTNs and it's from E6 to E8. Wow. That's a really great opportunity. It's um, an amazing opportunity. Yeah. Um, oh, the only major requirements is a, you have to have a bachelor already cause you're going for a master's and the bachelor has to be in the computer field as well. Um, okay. Yeah. But besides that, because even me, I was at that time, I was already 19 years in. So I was like, they're not going to pick me. I don't I don't have that many years to give the Navy back. But my package, I guess, was really good. And, you know, funny enough, because I didn't I didn't believe that I was going to get picked. 
only for my age. I, I, my package was good. I just thought, you know, 19 years. I was already working in another master's. So now I have two. Um, That's what's up. Yeah. 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 So it, it worked out. And I love the fact of the, the command that I'm in now, which is uh, 10 fleet, which, which is that part of the requirement for the command uh, for the program. Once you get picked up, you go for the year and now it's, it's up to 15 months. You graduate and then you go to a cyber billet after that. Okay. That's awesome. One of the biggest things for me, I'll say the reason I joined the military, I'll just be honest, was to get my education. So just like you, I also joined right out of high school and I just got my bachelor's degree um, last year. So that's awesome, awesome that you got your bachelor's and now you're working on two master's degrees. So yeah, yeah I push education every opportunity that I can. Yeah. So I'll, 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 talk a little bit in the sense of like, you know, when I joined the military, which that was my main reason at that time, it was to join, to go to school and a quick story. When I went to the recruiter, um, I took my ASVAB for the army actually, but the army did not, was only talking about infantry. And I was like, I want to work with computers. So I don't know what you're talking about. Um, and I don't know if, if it was the same in your town, but when I am in my uh, recruiting office. It was literally you walk outside one office, all the other offices are in the same P way. It was the so, same for me. Yeah. <laughs> so I literally walked into the Navy guy and I was like, what you got to offer? And he was like, oh, I could give you that job that you want. And I was like, if you get my paperwork from the army guy, I'm yours. Um, and the main, and the main reason after college was that my recruiter had a wall full of pictures of like different countries that he's been to. And uh, he was a young man, uh, E5, maybe like 25, 26. So he was always had a beautiful lady next to him as well. And I was like, I want to travel and I want <laughs> to take pictures like that too. <laughs> so that was my motivation as a 19-year-old or 18-year-old at the time. Um, but, but yeah, and then as far as college, I started late. Uh, so I applaud you. I started going to school already with 13 years in the Navy. I was already a chief when I started and, but once I started and I said uh, like achievable goals, cause at the beginning I will, I will try it. And I went for the bat, uh, you know, put my, my college plan for a bachelor. And that seems so far and so many classes that I never continue. I will always just take one class and then be like, that's too much. And then uh, when I was in Corey station, I went to the college office and the lady was like, why don't you try for an associate? And, you know, we go from there. And that was a blessing because it was less things that I had to do. And because I took in class here and there and I already had all the, like the, all these credits. So I got my bachelor, I mean, my associate, and then I jump immediately to my bachelor. And then, like I said, I jump into my first master's. So yeah, now yet last year I graduated and uh, from both of my master's. So I'm, I'm done. That with is school awesome. For now. Yes. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and then a little bit more about me and this, uh, what, what, like my passions, um, first it, it, it's my, my kids, like they, you know, my kids and my mom, they, they drive me to be the best that I could be. Um, I'm never going to be perfect. I don't try to be perfect. Um, but, uh, anything I do, I feel, and I want that if you as a sailor and another sailor, I sitting down in the diner and you you guys are talking about me if my kids are in the other table but you guys don't know that they're my kids 
that they'll feel proud of what you're saying. You know, that, yeah. that, um, cause you know, they could feel proud as far as like, you know, what they see on the wall, as far as like promotions and, and awards and, and, and things like that. But, um, there's something more impactful when other people can tell you about how a person made them feel as a human, as a person, then it's just not the rank. So, um, that's what I thrive for. I don't, I don't succeed all the time because I'm, I'm human. I got my own temper. I got my own, you know, things that I need to work on as a human. But I feel like if I if you strive to be the best person that you could be daily and then treat people the same way you would like yourself or even better, your own children or your own mother to be treated, I think that you could do great things. Um, so that's so my too. passion. Uh, I love traveling as well. Um, the Navy has spoiled me. And then I also travel on my own. Um and, you know, I'm very passionate of uh, warrior toughness. I feel like I've been blessed that my my CMC was like, you're going to be the guy. And uh, um, I'm really looking forward to traveling to the different commands within my domain to be able to teach the class and, and you know, get to see what war, uh, what our sailors are doing and get them to better understand what, what is the meaning within warrior toughness. Because I think so many people are right now I'm not looking at it in the best way because they just simply toughness they put it where strength physically more than anything and there's a lot more to it which we could talk mm -hmm. about later on about mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I agree well uh I don't know if if Hawaii is in your domain but you should definitely come out here and talk to my command that would be awesome so it's funny that you say that um because I am going to Hawaii and if Ooh. I'm not mis if I'm not mistaken I think I will be doing your command and and Nick Temp's pack together in the same week. So awesome! Yes. Well, super excited about that. I'm gonna go back to work and spill the beans. But guess who's coming? <laughs> All right. Um, we'll make sure. Yeah, we get max participation out there because it's such an important topic. It is. It definitely is. And on that brings me to, I want to talk to you about kind of the current state of, you know, mental health in the Navy and in the military as you see it. Um, okay. I know that it, it just like a lot of us, and that's kind of the basis behind me starting up this podcast is that there's a huge mental health care stigma out there that prevents a lot of service members from seeking help. And... I can't tell you how many times I have come across a post on Reddit or Facebook of a sailor or service member, you know, posting anonymously, right? Because you can do that these days, um, asking for help or saying that they're scared to ask their leadership or they don't know where to go or they don't want to get discharged or they don't want to lose their clearance. So, yeah, I just I just want to, you know, have a conversation about, you know, how you see mental health in the Navy. So I think for me to be able to pick, uh, give you and your audience the, the, the best picture in regards to my background and how I seen the progress is from the cold. Go back to, uh, to when it happened uh, and back in 2000 and the Navy took one big step back then that I don't think a lot of people give the Navy credit for. And what it was is we were mandated Everybody from the coal, once we got back from Yemen, 
which by the way, I came earlier than the rest of the crew because I was assigned to escort one of the the bodies because he was an ITSN and we were really good friends and they wanted me to escort his body back. So I left earlier compared to a lot of the people. So I left on the on the 16th of, of, of October, four days after the bombing, most of the crew left on the 2nd of November. So once I landed in Virginia, the first thing that I was told to do was to go to Portsmouth. And they did an exam, a uh, bunch of exams, to be honest, physically and then mentally. They took up, asked a bunch of questions and how we felt. And then when I got back, because they, they sent me on convalescent leave, when I got back, I was told, okay, you are like borderline, but you know, you don't need to go see anybody specifically. And then every, I want to say every three months, everybody that was part of the crew had to take these questions. And then from there, they will see where were you at. So let's say the, the, the exam that I do or the questions that I did, you know, three months prior, uh, how are you sleeping from one to 10, 10 being the worst, one being good. If I 10, Three months prior, I said that I was sleeping on a two, which is pretty good. But then three months later, I was on a nine. Then they will count that and see to the point where they will be like, okay, now you need to see someone. So I'm, I bring that up to say that even then, although maybe it was not being announced, like this is the resource and this and the thing, the Navy kind of like forces, which I'm grateful because Given you my background, where I'm from, and the Dominican Republic, and the, the the macho mentality that I was raised in, um, going to see someone was a sign of weakness. So at 19 years old, I don't think I would have done it myself. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I don't think I could have been having nightmares and and living miserably. But I would have not gone talk to anybody because that just that just weakness. Uh, the way that I was brought up is just simply. You know, go have a few drinks. You're going to be okay. Or go work work out. Uh, something else besides talking to someone. So I'll start with that. Then as my career moved on, you know, and I, I moved, um, the resources were always there. It's just that a lot of commands that I went to, you know, a lot of people were either in my own situation that never looked for help themselves or didn't understand what resources were there. So if I didn't say something and ask for the help or look to go to the different resources like your Fleet Family Support Center, like your uh, Military One Source, uh, to the actual hospital, if I didn't do those things myself, then there were folks that, although they knew my background, because you know a lot of my chain of command as I went through, uh, got went to different commands, they knew, because I've always been very open about me having PTSD and dealing with those things. They never said if they saw me acting a certain way, hey, you need to go see somebody. They will always leave it up to me. So I say that is that sometimes the resources are there, but us as sailors sometimes don't take advantage of it, right? Um, so as I've gone on, I feel like there is now more openness about it. You see it more on our own websites. Like you see it in my Navy HR. Like if you need help, this is the... You know, these are the lines that you go to. You see it in some of the military groups that you see on Facebook, um, you know, where where you see other sailors, which is awesome. Not only just leadership, but then all the sailors when when a sailor puts something there, even whether they're anonymous or not, you know, I need help. I'm having a struggle. If you look at the comments, the vast majority, thankfully, are other sailors saying, hey, you need to go see someone or here's the phone number to go see. And I think that that 
is just from all of us putting back into our own people like it was put into us. So I know I've been helped a lot. Like I've been going through seeing counseling for over 20 years now. So I'm very big. I'm a huge advocate of go take care of yourself because if we're going to talk about it one day, we're going to have to come back to a fight that is coming down the road. It's coming. We, we, it's, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, it's, it's coming. Um, and we want to get there. Our minds got to be right. The same way we talk about, uh, you know, we got to take care of our families to be able to work. Our minds have to be right because if you're an analyst, if you uh, if you are dealing in the flight deck with, with like you know things that could kill people like immediately, I, I need your mind to be there. And and yes, we're gonna you know we're gonna have different things that we're gonna have to worry about. Not life is not perfect, but mental health is just, just as important as any other muscle in our body. One hundred percent agree with that. Um... And I'm really glad, you know, when you said that the resources are there, you know, we just have to to ask for them and find them. Um, something that I've noticed, and I think a lot of our listeners and just maybe some of the junior sailors in the Navy, um, I think there's they 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 have a hard time getting over the stigma because it does exist. And I just want to say, you know, to everybody who might be dealing with that stigma or the fear of asking for help or maybe feeling guilty because, you know, they may be letting their um, team down. What what did I just read the other day? Um, someone posted a sailor posted that uh, they were struggling and that there's a term right? Called tapping out when you leave, leave the ship for, uh, early for whatever reason. And uh, that just hurt my heart because, you know, they were saying that they really didn't want to do it. They didn't want, you know, their command to look at them like that. And they just saw it as such a negative thing. And, you know, another part of this is, like I said, I really want to remove that stigma. So we had to stop saying things like that, right? Like it's not tapping out. Um, it's a good thing because like you said, we have to take care of our mental health because what good are you staying there if you're not okay? Yes, absolutely. I, I, so give you an example. Cause I, I, I had to unfortunately deal with uh, one of my sailors uh, committed suicide in September. And uh, you know, uh, thankfully I was still going to counseling for my own reasons. Now it just, it was another adding element to talk about, which was my sailor committing suicide because it hit home a lot. Uh, it, it He read my article and he sent me an email and he literally said, uh, not verbatim what I'm about to say, but kind of, you know, pu I'm putting it like power, uh, rephrasing it. Uh, but he said something to the extent of, you know, it's good to see that I'm not the only one in the dark. Of course, that right away you know, brought all these alarms and I read the email and ran back to our shop and I was like, Hey, let me talk to you. And I asked him, I said, um, how are you doing? First of all, and he's like, I'm good. I said, I applaud you for acknowledging that you are in a dark place. I said, but what are you doing about it? Cause you know, we, we have to, you know, do something. He's like, yeah, I'm going to see someone, you know, I'm seeing, you know, and then I asked him maybe like twice after that happened. Um, but unfortunately I could, I could honestly admit, and I think that's why it hit me so hard is that 
I didn't ask him again. I'm, I'll ask him like, how are you doing every day and how, you know, every week and what you're doing this weekend. But I never had that conversation again. So unfortunately he took his life. So talking to the counselor after that, and one of the things she said, and she was talking more about his, this, my sailor's mental health, right? You know, and, and for me to try to understand and um, the sense of like, why would someone take their life, right? And uh, and she was saying that like, it's so easy for us to sympathize and even understand when it's a physical pain that we see in someone. So like, and I bring that up to talk about this in the ship. If you, God forbid, you were in the ship right now, and you break a leg and you have to get off the ship, nobody questions that. They're not calling you a quitter. They're not calling you. There's no stigma. There's nothing to that. Even if you will have like the top NEC and, you know, now in deployment is going to be rougher. Now we're going to go to two sections instead of three because we have a and we have a less body. There's nothing being said. I mean, there might be someone. There's always someone negative. So there might be someone, oh, she broke her leg. Uh, why she has to be so clumsy, you know, <laughs> but that would be like one person. And then everybody else might even jump into that person and be like, be quiet. Don't say that. That's not right. You know, but why are we treating mental health as to, oh, that person just wanted to get off the ship, you know? And I bring this, this counselor up because the way she's put it to me was, think about you having a pain in your eyes. You know, a physical pain, you cannot close your eyes, you can't sleep, you can't think. She's like, now put that in your brain. And how you cannot do anything else because that pain is just so much. If it was something that is in the eyes, we'll go to the optometrist and try to get help and try to get the, the surgery, the drops, whatever we need. Why can it be the same way for mental health? Exactly. I'd rather you tell me, yes, I might lose you from my ship as far as a body, but one, I'm not losing you as a human because you didn't take your life or you didn't do nothing wrong, crazy. Or two, and two, is that I might lose you for a few months, maybe a year because you're going through, but then I get you back in the Navy and I get you better as a better person dealing with the situation, know how to cope with things, have different ways to to you know, to deal with the situation, even in time of stress, now you become a better person and a better sailor. So That's yes, right. I lost you right now, but I gained so much more down the road. That's and right. I just feel like we need to have that mentality from all of us because I, 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 I see it in, in both spectrum, unfortunately. Like I see it from the top. Hey, we just lost a sailor, you know, like you said, it's the stigma. But then even our own counterparts, you know, like if that was my IT2, there's other IT2s that were, we talk, oh, he tapped out, like you said, like you call it. And that's just not fair. Yeah, we have today to stop. Is me, today is me, but who knows if tomorrow is you. Life life is, you know, God forbid if, if you lose someone that you really care about and now you cannot cope with that. So now I'm, I make fun of you. Now, now you tapping out. Right. So right. come on. It's not right. We yeah. We gotta better. we gotta do better. Exactly. Exactly. So I don't wanna hear anybody else talking about tapping out. And if if you hear that, stop it. <laughs> we'll do. We'll do. Yes. Um, that brings me to the next thing. Uh, as you know, as a master chief in the Navy now, you make up such a small population, you know, it's like the 
only the top and and the best of the best, you know, of our leaders and and the military, I'll go ahead and say, you know, become master chiefs. So what would you say uh, to our leaders out there um, when it comes to dealing with sailors and being supportive of mental health? So I, I say that, you know, if you treat that sailor with the level of understanding and caring that you really care that that and i use this a lot because i have two children and i love them dearly if you look at him and say if my child was in ship x or in command x how would you want that leadership to treat them right because it's easy to to kind of like, well, that's a sailor. I'll treat him as a sailor. And I know some leaders do that, and that's fine. Everybody has their own different way of leadership. As long as you're doing the proper way and you're taking care of sailors, uh, some want to be more friendly than others and, and whatever, to each his own. But if you look at it in that perspective, how would you want those that you love and care, whether your children, your spouse, your parents, whoever is really close to you, Think about if they were in that situation and if they work for someone, how would you like them to be treated? Then you start looking at a sailor that wants and needs the help as, let me take care of them. You know, and, and again, sometimes it's not even that deep that they're going to get off the ship or get off the command. Sometimes they just need just to go talk to someone that's a professional. They can show them then how to cope with certain things. And then they come back stronger. They come back more willing. And they even come back with a, le a higher level of trust because you, as a leader here, I'm speaking to the chiefs when I say this, um, you were so willing to say the mission will still be there. We got you. Today, I got your back because I know tomorrow you'll have mine. Yeah. And that goes such a long way when a sailor feels that he or she is being trusted, taken care of, that is looked at more than just a number or another body, people will do amazing things when they feel part of the community. And when I mean a community, I'm talking about that command, that, that, because it starts there. It's, you could talk about all you want about Big Navy, but if your command, your division, you know, that your work, even your own work center, because you can have different work centers within a division and then different work centers within a department. If it start that very low where your own community, you feel like you're part of it, then you it, it just continues to spread. Hey, because it's the same thing when it's negative. If if, if your work center is, is toxic and negative, then you you have the same outlook for the division, then for the department, then for the command and then for the Navy. Because how many sailors have you talked to or hear the only took was one chief and now all chiefs are toxic or all chiefs are bad the same way how i've been some sailors that only took one chief and they just love the, the khakis and because that chief and devil treated them like human so it's, it's we make such a huge impact as chiefs um with our actions with our words um, cause even I give you an example, cause even if you tell me, Hey, uh, Mass Chief, I need her, you know, I, I made an appointment. I had to go see someone. Um, and then just my tone on how I take that can make such a difference. 
I could be like, that's awesome. Glad that you're doing that. You know, let us know what you need. Or, oh, another appointment. Make See sure you th- bring the slip back. Make yeah. sure you bring a doctor's note. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Why is the appointment at 1300? You know, why isn't it at the end of the day? Like, just, you know that and that happens a lot where a lot. leaders will set these boundaries or the, these crazy rules when it comes to medical appointments and be like you need to schedule all your appointments in the morning or after 1400 and that's crazy that's crazy to me it is it is be, but it's all because you know there's this different mindset on you know uh, uh well, things got to get done and if you're not here all hours that everybody is then, you know, or, or if I let you go, then I got to worry about everybody else being let go like that. Again, I'm just a firm believer that if you are open and clear and, and able to explain to a sailor, like, okay, yeah, uh, your appointment is a, do the appointment, whatever you can, or whatever is available. Cause I want you to go take, take, get taken care of. Um, that would just mean, unfortunately, that maybe not tomorrow or later on, you're going to have to stay late, but like, Hey, this maintenance still needs to get done. So I'm, I might not be able to let you go early on Friday, you know, but it's not, it's not cause I'm saying that it's a punishment. It's just simply explaining like this maintenance needs to still be done. You know, if, if I can assign it to someone else. Right. Um, yeah. but it's all about conversations and without having the, the stigma out. Oh, because again, that same conversation, the maintenance still needs to be done. I might, I might need you to, to, to do it Friday instead of you, you know, not, you know, not doing it at all or doing it later instead of saying, well, um, you still got that damn maintenance that need to be taken care of. So, uh, um, now you got to stay late tomorrow. And it's like, cause then that feels like a punishment. Mm-hmm. And then why would you tell me again that you need to go see someone if you know you're going to get punished? Exactly. So so yeah, I mean, Master Chief said it himself. As a leader, you know, we have to be accommodating and make sure our people uh, are are heard, right? And that they trust you as their leader to ensure that they can get the help that they need. And, you know, I also want to say for maybe somebody who's not in a leadership position or for that, you know, E3, E4, E5, um, I'm all about promoting unity and teamwork because when we work together as a team, things are just so much more efficient. So if you see your your shipmate or your friend struggling or they need help or they need to get somewhere, pick up the slack, volunteer yourself, you know, take their watch. That goes so far and that can also help with that kind of pressure um, to get some of these these mission things done, but I don't ever, I'll never say that mission takes priority over somebody's health because we can't get the mission done if our people aren't. That is a great point. Because like I said earlier, today is you, but tomorrow might be me. Mm -hmm. So if, if I got your back, if I, you know, if I could take care of you, you know, and you know, what's crazy too, is like, I, a lot of the, you know, you know, especially in my, and my, you know, me being a master chief and then my first class, second classes, there's such a gap, right? So, but it's amazing when you see them, I see my guys interacting and, and, and my, my, my group and, you know, when they talk to each other and they're like, Hey, I got to do this tomorrow, you know, whatever X appointment. And the other person is like, don't worry, I got you. I got, I'll take care of this part. And they just so fluently when is that. And then lastly, I'll add, um, 
as far as us as leadership and me as a master chief and and you know just people uh you know wearing khakis is it shows a lot when you are also taking care of yourself and what i mean by that is it's a lot different than me saying you need to go get counseling you need to go to your appointments you need to go take care of this you need to go take care of that but i'm not and i'm not going to counseling and i'm not taking care of myself because to me if i take care of myself that's means that i'm taking care of others and what i mean by that is if my mind is right if i'm ready to do the job and i'm trying to perform to my best of my abilities then i'm able to take care of my sailors if i'm in the grind all the time i don't take my leave when i need to take leave if i don't go you know and and decompress if i don't go and go to counseling knowing that i have ptsd all that all it's going to do is show up in different ways and is usually hurting our sailors and i don't mean physically but i mean long hours i talk to you any kind of way uh, i'm not compassionate enough like all that's all the ways of how stress and lack of compassion shows up so if anybody is here listening there's a leader whether it's a first class second class third class chief master chief whatever take care of yourself because that's how you take care of others 100% um that i'm i'm glad you said that and one thing i don't want to bring up uh, is in your inter in one of your interviews, um, you mentioned that leadership and commitment of chiefs encouraged you to strive to be a better person. And so, I just I, can you expound upon what the chief mess what the chief's mess meant to you as a young sailor in the Navy, and how it's kind of developed as you advance through your career? Absolutely. So the first example, of course, is and I, I know that. Thankfully, uh, and I, I hope nobody has to go through anything like that, like the coal, but that experience and seeing how the cheese mess worked as a mess um, made us uh, do certain things that we didn't want to do. That looking back, they were not bad. It was just simply that that we didn't have an understanding. And I give an example, like we were we were doing colors, even though the ship was, you know, taking water and we were in tough conditions. But it was about the pride of the flag flying. That was one. Showing everybody that was looking for Yemen and anybody that, any of those terrorists that, that did that to us, that were looking, because I guarantee you they were looking one way or another, that we were not going to be defeated. Um, and then two is the sense of like, even in the, our darkest moment, we still need to follow our customs and courtesies and, and honor the things that we need to do. So not only did they taught me that, but then... You know, one thing I, I, I saw in the uh, during the call is I saw a lot of people crying, including myself, being super scared and just not having a clue where to go next, what to do next. And the one group that I didn't see doing that was the Chiefs Mess. So fast forward to 2011 when I made Chief, I felt like I could ask the Chiefs that were on board certain questions that I've didn't want to ask before just because I didn't feel like I was in their group yet. But now that I made chief, I was like, I could ask them, mind you, most of them were already retired. And I asked them, I was like, how come I didn't see one chief crying or, you know, or just look, looking lost. 
And the two chiefs that I talked to, they said, oh, we did. We just did not do it in front of you guys. The cheese mess was destroyed and, and the coal, so they had to find like a space where to go to. And that's where they cry. That's where they argue. That's where they had their fears and scare. And they said, not because we didn't want to show you guys that we're human. It was because we knew that you guys were looking at us for the answers. And if I'm crying and if I'm, you know, going, you know, not, not being able to, to go with the moment, then, then I bring doubt to you as a young sailor. I'm, I'm literally someone that only had like 12 months in the Navy, you know? So that, that really resonated inside of me in the sense of like, they didn't say that they didn't cry because I'm macho or, or I'm so, so tough. They said that we just did it in another location just so we could show you guys that, you know, in the sense of like, this is what you need at this moment is our full attention and for us to look locked in. The other thing that the Chiefs mess um, through the years and before I became a chief and even after is the level of resiliency that I've seen. You know, uh, I've seen a lot of my brothers and sisters uh, going through a lot of like, you know, terrible experiences, um, whether it's themselves or or their own sailors. Like, you know, for me, uh, suicide, like literally in my, my, my own division, the first time and only time has ever happened was just last year. But there's been so many chiefs that had to deal with that, right? Um, and the 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 things that they told me and they like how to deal with those things for themselves, not so much just only like as, as a leader and what they did with the divisions of the department, but like how they cope with it um, and that resiliency to be able to still have quarters just a couple of days after and understanding that, yes, you know, we, we have to moor our, 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 our sailor and, and, and the brother or sister that we lost, but then the mission still needs to be accomplished. And then now find a level of pride of like, we're going to do this as a team because of the sailor for their memory, because they will, he or she will want us to still thrive and be the best that we could be. Um, so yeah, I, I, and then lastly is that, um, what makes our Navy so beautiful. Uh, I see it in the mess of course, but I, I've, I've seen it in my 23 years is I dive our diversity. I just love the fact that me and you can come from two different backgrounds and here we are with the common goal, right? And that I can learn so much from you and it doesn't matter that your age, your race, uh, your, you know, anything that might be different, your religion, anything that might be different from, from me, I take it as you just bring in something new into my life. And, um, I sing that a lot through the Navy and def and definitely I've seen it through the mess, you know, as, as, you know, I remember being in, in, in one mess where we had, you know, from literally almost every corner of the world um, and, you know, different religions, different, you know, sexual orientations. Like it was just a, a full rainbow. I like to call it a gumbo. It was a beautiful, well-cooked gumbo where everybody brought something to the table and then it just, have made me a better person, not only just a sailor, but most, most importantly as a person. So I'm very grateful to be in the cheese mess. And I just hope that I could, uh, leave something as, as much as other people's have left on me. 
I love that. And uh, I'll, I'll bring up too, because I thought this was hilarious that you even said that <laughs> you, uh, when you were a young sailor, before you even joined the Navy, you uh, were a fan of the Chiefs uniform. <laughs> <It's> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I remember the Johnny Cashes. I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here. And uh, I remember seeing, like when I went to my recruiting office, there was a chief sitting there. For those of you that never seen the Johnny Cashes, please Google it. Um, it used to be a fully dressed, like a fully, uh, they call it blues, but they were black. So it made everything pop, you know, the, 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 the gold anchors and the ribbons and everything. And then I said to myself, uh, I need to wear that one day because I, I, I want to look that cool. So um, I still take pride on the fact that I'm still wearing the same khakis that I wore when I got pinned back in 2011. And because uh, they tell me if I'm, you know, if I need to cut down on some things or I need to work out a little harder. But I, I take I take a lot of pride on the fact that I'm still able to wear my khakis that I wore now oof, almost 13 years ago. So, yes, I love the uniform. I love I love wearing my khakis. I love how, you know, uh, it, it makes your ribbons even pop some more. I don't know. I'm into fashion, so it, it makes it it makes it a lot better for me. So, like I said, I love that you speak so positively about the Chiefs Fest because although I've had my, um, you know, traumatic experience with some Chiefs um, that, that I'm very open about too, it's become full circle and I, lit, I lean a lot to the Chiefs Fest to really teach me and mentor me and lead me to be a better person for the sailors that you know, I lead and will lead as I continue my career. And uh, I just want to say, you know, as we talk about breaking down um, the mental health stigma, there's also a negative stigma around the chief's mess in the Navy that I'll, I say, you know, contaminates our force because I want our junior sailors to trust the chief's mess and see them the way that you saw them as a young sailor, because I'd say that, you know, you are a walking, living, breathing example of how that trust and and how, you know, that admiration and aspiration to be like that, you know, developed you into the resilient person that you are now and great leader and chief that you are now. And I just, I don't want to let, you know, like, like you said, um, when we were talking previously, you know, there's always going to be bad seeds in any organization. So I just thank you for shedding that positive light on the chief's mess so that we can start to repair that trust, which will hopefully encourage our sailors to start asking for help when they need it. And, and I think, thank you, you know, thank you for you having that mentality and wanting to be open to understanding that, that like me and you spoke earlier, that, um, you know, we're just a mirror of society, right? And and unfortunately, we are going to have bad chiefs. You know, there's no other way to call it, right? Just the same way we have bad officers, just the same way we have bad junior sailors. Like, there is, we're just a full image. Not saying that to, to excuse any bad behavior or or how a, a, a chief treats a sailor or whatever. Um, but I... I I, I just hope that that we as a whole as as a as as a organization as the navy is that you know 
I beg sailors to to give other chiefs the opportunity, you know, to to lead them the proper way. And I'm I mean, I I've been around the block a lot, right? And I have sat next to people that I was very disappointed that they were in the same uniform that I am. Um but I also have said what a vast majority of people that I'm amazed of how knowledgeable they are about their job, how much they care about their sailors, how much they want to become better as a person, as a human, as a, as a chief. Um, so sometimes it just simply is, um, you know, understanding that, that not everything a, a chief tells you is necessarily because uh, uh, they just want to make your life miserable or, or worse. Sometimes we're just not as good with words and, as others. So I might take 10, 15 minutes to explain something to you. Other chiefs are, you know, for better or worse, their leadership skill is to like say, no, this cannot be done. And, you know, maybe not tell you the exact, the, the entire reason of the why. Um, I just challenge you that if you ever felt that way, uh, that, uh, that, that, you know, you, you get in told no, or that you're not being, uh, uh, understood the way that you want It's maybe as the, to, instead of shut down that chief is like given the opportunity to say, Hey chief, now that things are calm, you know, can, can we talk about, you know, the, why this shit was not approved, right? Um, why you recommend it? Cause by the way. No chief, even Mass Chief Ponciano, can say no to a chief. I can recommend no. I cannot say no. So I'll throw that in there. Um, and just ask, like, why, you know, you recommend that. And maybe a good chief will explain that to you. Should be able to explain it without just feelings. Should be say that this is because it's black and white or this is because this is how we've been doing it. So let's say, I don't know, um, I want to take leave every Friday, you know, just because I don't want to work on Fridays. And I'm like, well, I let you take leave, you know, for the past month, but now two other people want to take leave. And I'm saying no to yours because I want them to be able to take leave. You could take leave again two months from now on Fridays anyway. And they just simply have an explanation. You might not like it or you might not agree with my explanation, but I feel like if we start giving people the opportunity to be able to talk Because if it was you that were saying something to me or, you know, if you were telling me why you were late or why you didn't do a tasking, you will want me to understand your reason. So why can it be the same way? Not every chief wants to be toxic. Not every chief wants to be mean. Not every chief wants to be bad. We just unfortunately, for better or worse, are the ones that sometimes have to say no. And this becomes even more upsetting when it's there in writing, but you as a sailor did not take the time to read it thoroughly or to ask questions before. Cause maybe I have to say no to the way you wrote it, but maybe there's a way that we could get to yes. If we sit down and talk about, you know, Hey, cause like I was telling you about the, the Mako program that I just told you about. If I didn't mm -hmm. go to the details with you, you could have been like, Oh, there's a program for cyber. I'm studying cyber, even though I'm a different So I'm going to route it, but that's why I threw in there that it's only CTNs and ITs for now. If you didn't know that, if we didn't have that conversation and you just put in that shit, now I'm saying no. And all you see in is me putting no, but not the conversation that could have gone with, with that situation. So again, yes, 
there is chiefs that need help, that need to do better, right? But the vast majority of us want to take care of our sailors and want us, I want you guys to take our place. I'm here to get train my relief. I got three more years, and that's my sole <laughs> purpose is to train my relief. That's awesome. So um, I actually also um, I also found out that you participated in the Navi Four Mental Health Summit, and so with with that, actually, I'll let you kind of just talk about you know what that is. Uh, I didn't know that that exists, and I was very happy to find out as somebody in the information operations domain that something like that did exist, and that our leadership was discussing it. So. Yeah. So it was initiated by uh, Admiral Ashback, uh, not by four. And which, first of all, I got to give her give her a lot of credit for for setting that up and and just making it a a, a requirement, uh, like a desire. You know, this is what we're gonna do. Um, so they had, uh, uh, you know. CEOs and XOs and CMCs and and sales from all the commands within the domain, uh, together with mental health uh, professionals and IDCs and then all these different people. And they, it was a three day, just talking about mental health and what resources were, are there and and sharing what we do best, which is see stories on how you know we can make it better for our sailors. She is extremely concerned with the amount of suicides and 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 you know how is is it's deteriorating our people. Uh, and what I liked about it, the concern was not how many people are going to seek mental health, because that's a positive. If you're going to go see someone, that's a good thing. You're doing something. You're trying to get better. Her concern was about suicide, and how that can be tied in, you know, which it is in a lot of situations is, is, I mean, there were some horror stories about sailors trying to get help, mental health. And because we have a backlog, just the reality of it, unfortunately, this one sailor that didn't get seen for like three months. Right. And, 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 and I'll, I hate to cut you off here, yeah, but no, I do want to say at this like important time, don't let that stop you because there are resources out there. There's nonprofits, there's crisis helplines, there's social media, there's podcasts like this, you know, feel free to reach out to me anytime. Like we will get you help. You don't no, have I, to wait. Absolutely. Thank you for cutting me off. I don't, yeah. Absolutely. Because that, that, <laughs> no, and, and, and I will even add that if you're not getting, you know, if you go and make that call and, and, you know, you made it at home and you're not getting, talk to someone in your chain of command. Because I could tell you that, I could tell you right now, and it shouldn't work like this, but it does, that if you call me, let's say I'm, I'm ITCM, and I go to that hospital, we're going to see somebody. Um, maybe not this, that day, but not in three months. Because either they're going to find an appointment for that person, or you're going to tell me the resources where I could take my sailor. So don't suffer in silence. Three months is too long. A week is too long. Like, there is so many resources. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, but yeah, so so that was part of the horror stories. I mean, there was either, there was even, 
exos and ceos talking about themselves dealing with depression and dealing with the 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 weight of you know you the ceo and you have to take and having to go for mental health so it was it was an outstanding um you know i, I go into a lot of symposiums i go into a lot of conferences that are voluntold to go to and this is one of the ones that i was not only very uh you know thankful that they wanted me to speak um but also just very grateful that it was done and it means a lot when it's coming from a three star when a three star is telling the rest of their C her CEOs to be like no you will stop for three days and you will fly because there were people from Bahrain there were people from Sicily there were people from all over you know Hawaii from all the different commands they flew all in and they were there to talk about it, to talk about resources, to talk about, we even talked about watch floors and how to make better for hours and like all these different things. And we have professionals as well. So it was not just, you know, Master Chief Ponciano who's been to a bunch of counseling. No, it was the professional, the people on the other side saying where the resources are, how to take advantage of some of those resources. And then also you know, looking at CEOs and saying like, hey, you got to take care of yourself too, because if you show it from the top, then it becomes a culture of, it's okay to go to, you know, to mental health. Not only when it's the last resort, it's, it should be when like, we feel like we need to talk to someone, not when I'm drowning and I can't even sleep or eat or something like that. So yeah, it was, it was a very important thing. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that that she takes us so serious, and I think they're gonna do another one this year. Like, I think she wants to make it a yearly thing, not just simply that year, and then you know go from there. That's awesome. That 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 should give everybody in the Navy hope, right? That that our leaders see us, they see what's going on, they recognize it, and they are doing something about it. It Absolutely. doesn't happen overnight, right? But in the meantime, we can keep supporting each other being good leaders and all that. Yes. So thank you for sharing. Um, that's awesome. Absolutely. One of the things that I read in the article about that um, summit was that you guys talked about warrior toughness and the extended operational stress control program. And so if you could just go into those two programs a little bit, um, I think yeah. our audience, yeah, could benefit. Absolutely. So I'll, uh I won't talk a lot about the operational um, program because I don't know if it's like as well, right? Okay. Um, I know that that a lot of their their a lot of the things that they're trying to do and they're in are very aligned with warrior toughness. So I will talk about warrior toughness because that's the one that I I know best. Um, so for those of you that haven't heard too much about warrior toughness or just heard it like here and there. Um, is a way that the Navy is trying to do a mental shift on regards to how we see toughness. Um, and the way that, that, the, that warrior toughness is being talked about is in the sense of three major things. One is um, the ability of taking a hit and keep fighting. That's warrior toughness. So that's one. It's just you take a hit. And when we take it, when we mean taking a hit, I'm not talking about just in the military wise. I'm talking about, you know, God, God forbid, you know, 
something happens in my my family and I miss and I lost and I lose someone that I really care. That's taking a hit. That that is an impact on my well-being, on how it is, but it's like what am I doing to continue to fight? And that simply it might just be go see someone. Like that that is you know, keep fighting is to say, I'm not right. Let me go see someone so I can continue to do my job and, and perform as a man, as a, as a father and as a sailor. The second one is perform under pressure. And that goes again, that goes into not only the military, you know, if it's a fire on board the ship, am I going to walk towards the fire to save the, the ship and my sailors, or I'm going to walk back. So, that same can go in just in, in human and, you know, perform under pressure. We know we're talking about degrees and going to school. Am I going to, you know, try to do the best I can to be able to get the grades that I need to get this degree, to get the certification? You know, I have big dreams to be, you know, a nurse when I get out of the Navy. So am I going to continue to to do, you know, go to the school? Like that is, you know, and then the last one is, um, you know, achieving that on a day-to-day grind. So we all go to, you know, they're the day-to-day grind. We have this, you know, this constant grind. So is to try to excel day in and day out. And, and what I, and what that means is simply is, you know, did you give her your best? That's excelling. Excelling is not, you know, simply achieving the best score in, you know, in an exam. Hey, you took your exam and you got 80 percentile. Good on you. The more of you, I never got that high. But the more people that get that, the better. Awesome. But if you could go to the exam and you said, you know, that you study, that you try to put the time, that you did everything you could and you scored a 68, that's excelling because you gave it your all. You know, like, like t- too many times are, are, you know, barred of what are excellent is, is too high or, or too unfathomable. or we compare with other people and your hundred percent is not equal to my hundred percent. Your hundred percent might be higher than mine, but it's, can I look at myself in the mirror and say the day in and day out, I'm trying to give a hundred percent. And when I say that too, is that sometimes we have to understand that my 100% today is 50% of what it was yesterday, but it's still my 100% for today. And I'm just giving it my all to what I have. Like sometimes I need to fill my tank and my tank is speaking to my children, seeing my children in person because I don't live close to them. So my tank might be at 50% because I haven't seen my children but I'm giving you all I have, although it's only 50% full. Tomorrow, once I talk to my kids and I see them, it might be way back to where it used to be, and that is going to be my 100% for the day. So that's what warrior toughness is about. It's, it's a mindset to try to achieve peak performance in all that we do. And to do that, there is meditation, there is um you know, uh, uh, working on, on our muscles by being in tune with what our bodies understanding where, you know, where, you know, Hey, my legs feel this, this way. And that, that's not a usual thing. Like, what can I do to do better? Um, go into counseling, you know, like that, those are the things to get us to peak performance is to use our resources. 
why is it so is so okay to go to the gym and work out you know but but then we don't put the effort to make sure that we're eating properly that we're drinking enough water like all that is part of peak performance training taking training seriously you know when we're doing certain evolutions because today might be a drill but tomorrow might be real life so that that's what warrior toughness is about is is it's changing that culture to understand that if in the time of need and if something does happen, you know, because, again, we talked a little bit earlier that the war will happen. It's coming. Something is coming. Are are we going to be mentally and physically prepared to move forward instead of going back? So I, I feel like it's a great program. I feel like it's, it's, it's going to take some time, you know, to, to get people to to look at it from that perspective instead of just simply, oh, uh, what are you talking about tough? Uh, can I can I lift this many pounds or can I, uh, you know, can I shoot a, 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 an individual if I'm in the line of fire? Uh, that is toughness to an extent, but it's more than that. It's to be at your peak at everything that you do and how to get you there. That's, that's awesome. It sounds like uh, it really, you know, focuses on your mind, body and soul and just kind of getting you in that mindset to be able to deal with whatever, you know, the Navy throws at you or life. Um, have you ever read the book uh, Grit by Angela Duckworth? Have you ever heard of that book? I have and I have not read it. So okay. but I have re I read up. I heard about it and it's actually recommended in the class, by the way by the oh really app. yes yeah so i i read that book um actually when i was in the midst of recovering you know from my trauma and the healing process one of the things that i sought out to do was educate myself as much as i could on kind of my mind what i was feeling and one of the things that i really sought out was like okay how do people overcome and endure these tough things and one of the books that came up was this book called Grit by uh, Angela Duckworth. And so I read it and it recently came up um, as I was looking at warrior toughness stuff again. I was like, oh, there's a lot of similarities. And I bring it up because I want to point out that she's done research on the topic of grit, plenty of studies. Um, she's a professional. And one of the things that she says is a lot of people believe that, you know, grit and the ability to achieve success or persevere through anything is inherent and it's based off talent. That's the belief. But her research proves that that's not the case, that we can actually be trained and developed to build that grit. So it really sounds like Warrior Toughness um, is able to do that. Yes. So I haven't read the book, as I said. But if that's what we're talking about, that's exactly what War of Toughness is. And I think that's why the chap recommended it. Because is understanding that, you know, um, so the way they, they, as you go through the class, is they talk about resilience and they talk about peak performance. So resilient is your baseline. And then your baseline, it it's it's like as you so think about the batteries on a phone why they tell you they're not to plug it all the time so the phone has is thinking about the fact that like okay last time every time i'm 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 being plugged in is only is up to like 12 hours of being used so what happens is the battery keeps building to be able to be good for 12 hours but if you plug your phone 
after only six hours all the time, after a while, the batteries only are good for six hours, right? That must be why my phone dies all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, so that is, so then it's the same thing with us human is if you build yourself to be able to, or think about in the, even in the gym, like if you, if you continue to do build up to do five Ks, they become easy as you continue to do more because you build in that resilience. So that your baseline continue to increase. Peak performance is yes. I'm my baseline is this, but at one point I'm gonna have to do a marathon for whatever reason. So then now I'm building to go to that peak performance, and then I can come back to my baseline. So, so it 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 what it what the warrior toughness is trying to do is to build you up that if unfortunately if you are in the situation that happened like us and the cold is. We had warrior toughness and resilience and all that just because we had so much training before it happened. And then by seeing our brothers and sisters either injured or passing away, we even got closer and said we were not going to get sick. The ship is not going to sink and we're going to continue to fight even though the ship is not at the best condition. And we didn't even know we were doing warrior toughness back then. Um, but it's it's that. It's... it's is I felt as a little seaman that was just doing what I was told, I knew where to go and what to do because of the training that I had. And perfect example I'll give you, very simple, is before we were uh, the bomb happening, we were having all these GQ drills, and we were sending Zebra in an observe amount of time. Like for a DDG, I think it's somewhere in eight minutes is what you want to set up zero. We were saying like 12, 13, 14 minutes, just horrible. But the day that the bombing happened, we set zebra within five minutes. And now that I recall and looking back, I remember moving from forward to back aft and, and from back aft to forward. And each time I did it, I was closing hatches just by memory. Like I didn't, like I didn't even have to remind myself. It became muscle memory. So that's, the warrior toughness is you. They per, the Navy and the training prepared the training, your mind yeah, prepared, and your body you and, and my soul and and your soul, right? The heart and character that it takes to to go through that to still Absolutely. fight. Absolutely, that, that's awesome. That's a really good way to tie it together. And um, you know, as the show is called "Seeds of Triumph," I would ask if you'd be willing um, to share your own personal seed of triumph, which is a. Uh, Reframing of a traumatic adversity into the beginnings of progress, and it it provides us all an opportunity to endure, learn, grow, and triumph. So for me, um, and uh, this is very personal. Um, it you know, to a lot of people might think it was the cold, but um, it was actually um, my divorce, and. The reason for that, not necessarily the divorce itself is triumph, but it it made me have to go to different kind of counseling. So I was going for PTSD for a while, and then I started to go to counseling for me as a person overall. Like, what do I need to do to become a better person? Because I was not a good person to my ex-wife, and that's why we got divorced. And... What it did is allowed me to be more open about my own flaws 
And when I mean more open is to acknowledge it myself. Like you are not this person that you're saying you are and about certain things, right? A certain aspect of my life. And, um, and the lady even recommended um, this book called uh, uh, The Five Little Languages, which when you hear it, you're thinking about love, or, you know, love languages. But it's amazing how it could go into any relationship that we have in life, right? It could go from our parents to coworkers to, you know, a special person in our life. And I, I hit a very low point, right? Because I not only was dealing, I was dealing with my PTSD for, you know, my stress at work had brought me to a really high level. Um, and then that, you know, my marriage fell, right? Which, by the way, was all my fault. So, but yet, you know, I fell so, so down. And I think I was able to pull myself up um, because I went to counseling and then my light came as I started to question myself, but in a positive way. Like I, I wasn't necessarily like telling myself you're a bad person or you, you did, it was just simply, you did this. How can we fix that? How can you become a better person? How can you be more loving? How can you be more understanding of others? How can you put other people's first instead of you being as selfish as I was, which I, you would have asked me back then. I would have been like, I'm not selfish, but deep down inside I was right. And I'm still working through that. So to me, that was, that was it because I was, you know, it's, it's easy to feel low when you go through what everybody else feels like is pain and, and heartache, which is, you know, in this case in the cold, so much death, of course, that was something that was always going to be part of me. And it was a huge uh, uh, moment in my life. But something like my divorce was very personal. It's me and her. Like it's, I mean, it affects other people like my children because, you know, they see that that happened. But as far as feeling, it's usually just the two people. Um, so I was very low. Although if you saw me from the outside, I was still a high performer and still doing the things that I that I do and I was doing it well, but I was dying inside. And, uh, it, it, I didn't have a choice to pick myself up because I started thinking about uh, my children, my mother and how I just wanted to be a better person. Right. And I never wanted to make hurt anybody the way that I hurt my ex-wife. So, so I think that for me, um, cause I changed a lot about me like that, that made me focus so much more. And I even, without a doubt, even I became even a better leader because I started listening more, you know, like it just, it, and, and you become so much better as a person when you actually listen to people. It's amazing the, the, the things that you're able to accomplish and the way you make people feel when you just listen. You know, because then that's when the little thing comes out and, you know, it could just simply be, you know, hey, hey, how was that play that your daughter went to, you know, last week? And they looking at you like, you remember that mess, Chief? I was like, yeah, we, we talked about it. And that's the beauty of listening. So that's been my triumph that I, I learned how to listen. It took a while. 
and I'm still working on it. But uh, that's the best thing that's happened about all that. That's awesome. Um, and you know what I got out of it is that you experienced something so negative, right? And and dark for you. You even use the word failure. But now that we get to the triumph part, you know, you can talk about it as something positive, right? You were able to learn from it, to grow from it. And ultimately now you're a better person. And that is common throughout a lot of the hardships that all of us face, right? As we go through these things that are terrible and at the time we don't feel good, we don't know how we're going to get through it, but we do. And in the end, we come out better. So thank you for sharing that that personal aspect of it, right? Because that is, um, you know, very deep. And I know a lot of our listeners can resonate uh, to that too. Yeah, th- thank you. And, 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 um, I, I will say that again, if it wasn't because I was already going for counseling because of my PTSD, then I would have never looked for that other type of counseling. Cause it was two, it's two completely different type of things. PTSD that I was the counselor that I was going to is it, it's, it's in relation to that trauma and how to deal with that. But this one was about finding myself, right. And what do I want in life? And I had to, I had to like be honest about a lot of things or, you know, and, and personal levels and things that either I put a lot of weight towards her as my partner, or I put in myself thinking that I should be something because that's what society wanted me to be or whatever. Um, instead of being happy with who I am and accepting myself and having grace for myself. Yes. Because if you have grace for yourself, then you can have grace for others. Yes. And uh, I needed that. Yes. Yeah. I say that all the time to everybody, you know, you got to give yourself grace and people say it to me too, because I'm not always that way. Uh, But it's definitely, it definitely keeps me grounded. And, you know, I was not always calm or positive and I'm still not always calm or positive, but it used to be a lot worse. I can resonate, you know, in my PTSD diagnosis and, um, you know, even before my, I had a little anger, temper control things. And um, let's say what, maybe eight years later now, um, it's like a complete turnaround and I'm so much better for everything that I went through and all of these skills and techniques that I went through. And just as simple as self-talk, right? Being positive, affirmations, gratitude, something that you don't have to go and sit in front of somebody for it really helps. And I'm not just saying that (laughs) Um, I used to look at my therapist when she would bring stuff up like that to me, like she was crazy. And I'm like, that's not going to work, but it really does. It does. And actually that's one of the the many mindfulness things that you're doing for word toughness, self-talk, you know, we all, uh, uh, you know, performance statements that we have that we don't even acknowledge or we don't even think. Like, for example, um, one of the things that we were talking about in my class and, you know, I'm an IT and I love my rate and I, um, I'm all about it, right? And now we were talking about performance statement and I was like, we always talk about as ITs, there's no bombs without comms. That's a performance statement. Like we are <laughs> pumping ourselves to say that, you know, because a lot of people think, and that just goes for a lot of the IW rates where they feel like we're just in a room, 
that we don't necessarily are out there and doing certain things and shooting people and whatever. Well, you can do a lot of stuff that all the other stuff do without us. That's true. So, so, but that's a, I love the ITs. (laughs) That is a way to self-talk to yourself by performance statement, by, by, you know, you're looking at yourself. If you're going to do an interview, we also talk about rehearsal. You know, if you're going to go do a, a, a presentation, go ahead and stand in the mirror and say it, you know, do it, try to do it. If you, if you're capable of doing it right. And then just go over it. And instead of being super critical, look at what could you can improve. Right. But instead of saying, Oh, you did horrible. It just simply, Oh, we need to work on this. We need to work on that. And then highlight the things that you did. Right. Cause we, we simply just go to the bad. What can I do better? And my face looked this way as too many on and all that stuff. Instead of saying I did, you know, I put out everything that I needed to put out. So I did that part, which is important. You know, I was able to hit the key points, like look at the positive and yes. yeah. And, and self-talk and positive talk goes a long way. And it's infectious, right? It is. It spreads. Yeah, it, is. it does. Because, because I, it, it simply sometimes, how about this? Like you could be having a bad day, but you know, we, we disguise it very well. Right. So we're at work, we're doing our thing. And I don't know, you simply, you know, did something. I don't know. I asked you to bring me some folders and I just said, Hey, thank you very much. You know, thank you for that report that you, you know, provided, which you probably wouldn't even expect in that part. Right. You just did your report that you do every day, but here's ITCM telling you, thank you for doing your job, but thank you. Like I didn't, we were talking about something else and I just simply just threw that in there because I, I thought about it. And you simply say, thank you. Most people will look at that and say, he didn't have to say that. That's awesome. Yep. You know, and, and, and it could just be something like that and you can make someone's day. I don't know. I, I, it might not mean something, nothing to others, but to me, I'm always about giving people compliments one way or another. It 100% goes a long way. It means a lot. I spoke in, in my episode about that. Like I had a chief for the first time coming out of that terrible experience that I had at my last command. And he said, thank you. And I hadn't heard the word thank you from some of from my leaders in five years. In the five years that I was there, nobody ever said thank you or appreciated. So hearing that, it was really a turning point. And so it, it's not a myth. It does matter. And when you say that, it it means something. So yes, it does. And it doesn't take anything, right? Like it doesn't, like the person that's saying it, I mean, and I understand we're in the Navy. So, you know, you got to be mindful of, you know, especially if you're going to say something about, I don't know, uh, your hair looks nice. So I get it, you know, be, be mindful of that stuff. But I feel like if I'm saying in front of everybody, cause I don't got nothing to hide. And I simply the same way I tell my IT two who the other day just got a nice haircut and he's a guy that I could tell you that you have a nice haircut. Like that, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with telling people, you know, Hey, um, you know, or seeing pictures on your desk that of, of your, you know, people that you care about and, you know, uh, your dog and he's making a funny face and you're like, that is so funny. Uh, you know, I could see how that could like bring you to peace when you look at that. What's wrong with that? Like it, it, it life is tough already. Um, let's have a little bit of grace on each other. Yep. Yep. 
Yes. Well, thank you again for sharing your story. Uh, I just want to, I want to give you a last kind of opportunity to, you know, provide any message or advice to anybody that might be, you know, going through their own PTSD struggle right now or any other um, mental health struggle. Okay. So I have two things. Uh, the first one is to touch on that is that you're not alone. There's a lot of us that are dealing with the same things as you are, the same struggles or even worse, right? So there's no shame on looking for help, for acknowledging, because that's a huge step. Um, and to try to become the best person that you could be. And the only way that you're going to achieve that is by looking for help, you know, acknowledging that you need it and looking at it and, and look, you know, try to get the help that you need and not look at it as being a burden to anybody, not look at it as not being strong. To me, you are three times, 10 times stronger when you do than you know, that if you didn't, you know, because it just, you just want to become a better person and there's nothing better than that. So, um, use the resources out there and don't take a no, you know, from your chain of command, if they are doing that, which I hope not, um, for medical and they're telling, you no, say something to someone else or start looking for all the resources. Or if that person telling you there in that desk that they don't have an, an, an appointment into three months, tell, ask them, where else can I go? Where can I find a soon something sooner? You know, so don't take a no. And then my last one is just in general. This is not about mental health. This is just about us as human. What is your legacy? And what I mean by that is my legacy is not what's in my collar, my anchor and two stars. It's not what's in my chest, you know, my insane amount of ribbons or my <laughs> or anything like that. My legacy is how I make people feel. Think about that as a, as a person and how you go day by day and how people feel about you. When they're talking about a sea story, when they're talking about home as, a, as you know, or as, as the brother, sister, wife, partner, what is your legacy? Your legacy is how you make people feel. And would you want to hear that legacy 20 years from now? Are you going to smile? Or are you going to say, I could have done better? And that's all I have. All right. Thank you, Master Chief. Um, so we talked about, you know, the mental health resources that do exist and how, you know, we can get around this stigma barrier that, you know, the stigma doesn't have to exist and that, you know, we can feel empowered by our leaders to seek help. And not only that, but we talked about how most of our leaders in the Navy, you know, comes from come from the khakis and the chief's mess in particular, and that they really do have the ability and such a powerful influence to make a big impact on all of our lives. And then lastly, you know, no one's in this alone. We're all in this together and that you too can triumph. Thanks again, Master Chief, for coming on and talking with me. And thank you to the audience for listening in to this episode. If you are struggling with your mental health and you need help, please 
go to our episode description and click the link as it contains several mental health resources that could help you. Also, if you would like to contact the Seeds of Triumph podcast, please email seedsoftriumph.podcast at gmail.com. The views expressed by the speaker and all guests are not those of the Department of Defense, United States Navy, or any other government agency. They are strictly those of the speakers who do not speak for any other organization or entity. The speakers are not mental health professionals and do not intend any of the content of this podcast as mental health advice. If you need professional mental health advice, please seek out your closest military or civilian mental health providers immediately.